Right. Well, go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And my, the last hymnal that we sang, song Yesterday, Today, Forever, Thank God our Lord, He's always the same. He never changes. And we're going to read a verse uh, where that... Uh, the words for that song, or the title at least, came from Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, and have spoken unto you to the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. So right here we see that phrase, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this morning what I want to talk about is letting the Word of God change us. Okay, Because Jesus Christ doesn't change, correct? But yet, you and I, we do need to change, don't we? As a church, I believe we need to constantly be changing and becoming more like Christ. But yet, at the same time, while Jesus Christ doesn't change and we need to, be, we need to change and we need to become more like Him, something that we need to be careful of and something we need to watch out for is change. Okay, Because there's good change and there's bad change, isn't there? And things are changing very fast in our world today. Things are changing globally. I mean, just there's crazy stuff going all over the world. Things are changing in America and our laws. Uh, things are changing in our economy. And things are especially changing in our, in our morality. And as this world's just spiraling out of control, I would love to be able to tell you all that one thing that's staying the same, that's staying strong, are churches today. But you know what? Churches are changing rapidly, aren't they? Churches are changing very fast. And you know, because God in His providence knew these days were coming, He left us with something that would never change. Thank God we have something that will never change. Now, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus, you know, God says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. God doesn't, He doesn't change. And he, he tells them it's a good thing I don't change. That's why you're not being consumed right now because I'm a merciful God. I'm a forgiving God. And, you know, he's, a, he's a slow to anger God. And, you know, so God never changes, okay? Jesus Christ never changes. Yet at the same time, alright, don't take what I'm about to say wrong. Uh, you know, listen to what I have to say. In a way, Jesus does change, okay? Jesus has changed quite a bit throughout history, hasn't He? And I thought about doing I was looking at these different pictures of Jesus throughout history. How He's been depicted. Okay, And so when I say Jesus has changed, obviously, we know that Jesus Christ Himself doesn't change, but yet, how He's portrayed, how we think about Him changes, doesn't it? And I was, I was looking at this it was an article on the internet that was showing these, the progression of Jesus and just all the different looks that he's had. And, you know, the way people picture Jesus today probably isn't even close to what Jesus looked like. I mean, we know he didn't have long hair, for one example, but everybody thinks Jesus had long hair. You say anything about guys having long hair? Well, Jesus had long hair. 
Okay? And that's how people think, isn't it? That's how he's portrayed. Uh, you know, all the movies, the way they make Jesus look, I mean, they make him look so effeminate, just, you know, it's, it's gross. I mean, really, the way he looks, they make him look like some hippie. And Jesus didn't look like that, okay? He was not a white, long-haired hippie, okay? He was, you know, he was a Jew, okay? He, and he probably had darker skin, you know, dark hair. He would have had shorter hair. And he was probably a, a manly looking fellow. You know, we see in stories in the Bible, you know, with him flipping the tables and things that they say were huge. You had to be very strong to do that. He was a carpenter. Okay? And he didn't have all the power tools and things like they do today. You know, even carpenters today are usually pretty rugged, manly people, aren't they? Well, imagine back in that day when they didn't have all the power tools. Okay, so you know Jesus wasn't one of these you know effeminate sissy boys, but yet that's how he's portrayed. But not only just in looks, okay, you know the message of Jesus today, okay, you go to the average church and you know hey, or if you just went to the man on the street and you talk about Jesus, the things they're saying about him have changed quite a bit. I mean, people they look at Jesus, you know, he's just just this sweet wonderful, loving, kind person that would never judge you. He would never throw anybody into hell. You know, he would never, you know, come back and pour his wrath out in this world and slay so many people to the point where the blood's flowing through the valley up to the horse's bridle. I mean, there's no way he would do anything like that. There's no way he would pour his wrath out on this world. They don't picture him, you know, with feet like brass and with his hair white like wool and his eyes as a flame of fire. People aren't portraying him like that, are they? And just the the words, the message of Jesus Christ, it's completely changed. You know, it's just all about love. You know, Jesus loves you just like you are. You don't have to change a thing about yourself. You're just fine the way you are, and you know, just come and let Jesus, you know, carry you. Those footprints in the sand, you know, just one set because He's carrying you. You know, and and I know that Jesus is loving all these things, but there is, you know, the the image of Christ physically and even mentally the message of Christ, it has changed in our society today. Okay? But yet, Jesus Christ, He doesn't change, but okay, the truth is without the Word of God, Jesus Christ does change, doesn't He? Because people are constantly messing with the message of Christ. And they said the way He's portrayed, the way He's thought of, it's absolutely ridiculous. But how do we know these portrayals of Jesus Christ are wrong. We know because we have the Scriptures, right? We know because we have the Word of God. Were it not for the Word of God, I believe I mean, the thought of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ, it would. who knows where it would be today. I mean, it's bad enough as it is when there are people proclaiming what the Bible says. Just imagine if we didn't have the Word of God. And so, you know, without the Word of God, Jesus Christ doesn't change. You know, an example, I think to just kind of show you what I mean by this, you know, it's amazing how two different people can give a completely different description of somebody. You know, for example, President Obama, if you get a Republican, oh, that socialist, that communist, you know, that stinking Muslim, he's the worst president we've ever had. He's the worst one that's, you know, he's going to destroy America. He's already destroyed America. And then you get a Democrat who lives in the same country, who has the same president. He's just the greatest president that we've ever had. 
Man, he's done so much to help change America. He's given everybody health care. I mean, he's just brought unity to the world. He's he's brought fairness to the world. You know, now gays can get married. They have the same rights. I mean, but he's he's probably the best president that we've ever had. Two people can explain something completely different, can't they? And then you got to you know, all right, which one's telling the truth? You know, which one is given an accurate portrayal? And the truth is, it's the same thing with Christ. You can go to one church and they'll preach Him one way and you can go to another church and they'll preach Him in a completely different way. So how do we know, you know the, who Jesus really is? How He really is? Well, we know from the Word of God. Because the Word of God does not change. God has preserved His Word for us. And I believe it's here in this King James Bible. And that's not what I'm preaching about today. But I'm just going to assume you all already know that. That this Word of God that we have is perfect. It's inspired. It's inerrant. It's infallible. This is the Word of God. And so if anything is going to change us, it ought to be the Word of God. Nothing else. We need to let the Word of God change us. Because society is, it's changing like crazy. You, I mean, you can't keep up with all the change that's going on. It's happening so fast, and yet at the same time, we don't want to just get ourselves to a part where, a point where we are just where we're at and we don't change at all. Because we do need some change, don't we? Because none of us are like Christ yet, are we? None of us are perfect yet. And so as we grow as a church, we need to be changing. We need to be getting, we need to be getting better. Things, there, there needs to be a constant change that's taking place, but it's hard sometimes to figure out which is the good change and which is the bad change. Because I believe, you know, we're getting so far away from the Word of God, okay, and Churches today are changing just based on what's popular, what everybody else is doing, and we do need to be changing. I don't think that what you see here ought to be what we see exactly five years from now. Okay? We ought to see something better. Okay? Because we're we're changing, we're becoming more like Christ, but we've got to make sure the only thing we allow to change us is the Bible. And so how can we be a church and how can you be an individual that is changed only by the Word of God? Okay, look at, and look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 24. Great passage of Scripture. It says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. you all see that? God's talking to the church here. Okay? He's talking to the church. You know, plural. This isn't just an individual. He's talking about the church. And God wants... Eventually, he wants the church to be presented to Christ pure, clean, without spot, without wrinkle, without any blemish. Now, let me ask you a question, and don't get specific, all right? But do we have any blemishes around here? Are there there any spots or wrinkles around here? Is everything that we are doing in this church, I mean, is it perfect? Is it exactly what Christ wants? Or do you think we have some improvements that we need to make? 
I think we have some improvements we need to make. Uh, and are we ever going to be able to be perfect? Okay. Obviously, no. Okay, but we're supposed to be getting better. We're supposed to be changing. Okay, so I just I'm saying all this because I don't want you to think that brother Tommy, you know what what we, he has here today is what he wants ten years from now. Okay, because I'm going to be talking a lot against change, but said. I'm for change, but it needs to be the right kind of change. It needs to be change that's... It was the Bible that changed us. And I'm going to show you how a lot of the changes that's going on in churches today has nothing to do with the Bible. I mean, it's very easy to prove that these things have nothing to do with the Bible. And it's what's trending. It's where everything's heading. And I don't want to go there. Okay, I don't want to go there. I want us as a church to grow. I want us as a church to be changing. But I want it to be the right kind of change, and I want to make sure it's the Bible that's changing us, and not what's popular, not what's it's not which way the wind's blowing. I don't want to go along with that. I want I want the Bible to change us as a church. I want the Bible to change me as an individual. I want it to make me more like Christ. So how do we do that? And I believe first off, as a church, what we've got to do as a church, and this is so important. And listen, you play a role in it. A huge role in it. We need to strive for doctrinal purity. We have got to strive for doctrinal purity. First Timothy chapter five and verse seventeen. First Timothy five and verse seventeen says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now this is here is talking about the elder. It's talking about the pastor. And it mentions... This is talking about paying him. Alright? You know, we believe in paying pastors around here. And it says, you know, let him be worthy of double honor. Why? Because the laborer... Okay, he's, the laborer is worthy of his hire. It's, you know, he says to count them of double honor if they labor in word and in doctrine. For us to have doctrinal purity, it's going to take work. Okay? And obviously, the main responsibility of that is on me. Okay? It is in my job description. It is one of the things that you all are paying me for. I am supposed to labor in word and doctrine. And you know, one of the reasons many churches are changing in the wrong way today, preachers are just getting lazy today. Do you know how many preachers today are using curriculums in their church? They they use curriculums. They go there's websites out there that are put out by good preachers that are right doctrinally where you can download all these outlines, outlines for serious. I mean, there's so much stuff on the internet. If you're a preacher, you don't you can you don't even have to study these days. You don't have to do that. But here's the thing. We're supposed to be doing that. And as a result of just laziness, okay, preachers copying other people's messages. And listen, I've heard other people preach messages before, and I was like, man, that was good. And I came and I copied it and I preached it, okay? I mean, but I went and I, I fact checked it first. I went and I studied it myself first. I looked it up, made sure they were preaching it right. But a lot of guys, they are just trusting other preachers out there and are just going off of their doctrine. 
They're going off of whatever their doctrinal statement says. That's what their doctrinal statement's going to say. They've never studied it out. They've not put in the work. They've not put in the labor. And understanding this Bible, studying this Bible, having doctrinal purity, it's going to take work. But it's crazy how many preachers get all their messages online. You get you listen to them preach a message in church. You can Google the title. You can probably find the outline online somewhere. You listen to them tell their stories and use their illustrations. It's all in that outline. It didn't even happen to them. They stole somebody else's story. You know how many preachers I've heard tell extremely unique stories about themselves? And I've heard other preachers preach the same thing happen to them. I mean, unique circumstance. It's like, you stole that story. You know, I don't believe in lying to get a point across. Okay, I don't believe in lying to get you to do what you should do. Okay, I, I'm not going to do that. And they do. You know why? Because they're lazy. They can't. They don't know how to prove from the scriptures what they're teaching just from scripture. So they got to give you a powerful illustration. They got to tell you a powerful, moving, emotional story that you'll never forget. That will just you know have you crying in the seats and. As a result of this laziness, I believe there's a lot of false doctrine that's come into churches, and you can go, you can, you can bring some of this up to these preachers. They have no clue what the Bible says about it. You know why? Because they're lazy, and nobody. And it's like, how can they preach that to their people and nobody say anything about it? And you know why? Because the people are lazy too. The church members are lazy. And you know what? While the pastor, maybe a lot, the most of the responsibility is on him. Maybe, you know, even though he's the one that's getting paid to, you know, do the laboring in the Word, y'all are supposed to be doing some studying yourselves. Y'all are supposed to be listening, receiving it with readiness of mind, but then going and searching the scriptures yourself to see it was so. Man, did you hear, see what the pastor pulled out of scripture this week? That was, that, that was, that sounded really good. I've never heard that before. And then, you know, I'm going to go look those Scriptures up. I'm going to see if he was right on this. That is your responsibility too. That's what they did in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. said those in the Berean church, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because, and that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scripture daily whether those things were so. Now, were they going to church every day? Or were the people just doing their own study on a daily basis. The people in the church were studying too. And you know, there's a lot of there's a Berean Baptist church here in town. There's a lot of Berean Baptist churches and it's a good name because it's a reflection on those people who they did. They received it, but they studied it themselves. But you know what I've never seen? I've never seen a Thessalonica Baptist church. And I think there should be a lot more Thessalonica Baptist churches than Berean Baptist churches because there's a lot of churches where the people don't do any study themselves. They don't do any fact-checking. The preacher can get up and he can make up whatever goofiness he wants to make up and nobody ever calls them out on it because they're lazy. And laziness is messing up churches big time. And a lot of the changes that are taking place doctrinally, it's a result of Pure laziness, and I'm telling you right now, you know I'm not going to get into all the specifics and some of the stuff that's creeping into churches and things that are being taught. Some stuff that's I mean it's just flat out in the church, and it's just it's like you know how does this happen? They're not studying it. There's a there's a few big names out there, big preachers that everyone looks up to. Everyone thinks they're great because they're big, 
because they're well-known, because they're influential, and preachers feel very safe going along with whatever they say. And that's a dangerous thing to do with anybody. I hope you all trust me, but I don't think you ought to give me that kind of trust. And I believe that we ought to, you know, don't come, don't come with the attitude of, all right, let's see if the pastor messes up today and we can find out where. Okay? All right, the Bereans, they received it with readiness of mind. They were ready to listen to whatever it was, but let's make sure this lines up with the scripture. Okay, so you come with the attitude of, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe what passed, but I'm gonna, I'm still gonna check up on him though. I'm gonna check up, I'm gonna make sure he's telling the truth, and that is so important. The pastor cannot be the only one studying the Bible in the church. We will not be a strong church doctrinally if I'm the only one studying the Bible. Okay, I'm gonna do my best, but you know, it's gonna be, if I'm the only one doing it, it's gonna be very easy for me to get lazy. If I know I'm preaching to people that study the Bible, I'm going to just naturally be more careful about what I present to you all because, man, these people know the Bible. And I can't, I'm not going to put anything past them. And so you all are going to be helping me out just by you studying the Bible yourself. And so there's nothing wrong with asking questions. If I preach something and you see something, it's like, man, you know, this isn't lined up with Scripture, you should be able to come and talk to me about it. And maybe you're looking at it wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It's hard to say. <clears throat> maybe I am. I got it out. All right, but it's possible. So you know we've got to we've got to maintain or we got to strive for doctrinal purity. If we're going to change anything in our doctrine, it needs to be the Word of God that changes it. Not my favorite preacher started preaching this, so now I'm going to preach it too. Okay. Not no. This is this is becoming you know this is the new doctrine. This is the new thing that everybody's talking about. No, it needs to be the Bible. If something changes my mind on anything, we're supposed to follow the faith of those that have taught us and that went on before us. We need to follow those people. And the only thing that should change us from following those who taught us is the Word of God. Okay. Not because I found a new crowd that I like better. Okay? It's only the Word of God. And so we need to strive for doctrinal purity. Also, we need to remain independent as a church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11. It says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? You know, Paul saying is like, well, what's going on with all this division? These people they were trying to, you know, they were, you know what they were doing? They were creating denominations. They were creating associations. They were creating fellowships. Okay, I don't want to be a so, you know, I don't like Apollos very well. I don't like the way he preaches. I like the way Paul preaches better. And you know what? You do your services like Apollos. I'm going to do mine like Paul. I'm a Paul. You know, we're going to. You know, I only fellowship with preachers that preach the way Paul does instead of like Apollos. And that same kind of junk goes on amongst churches and amongst Christians, especially amongst preachers, all the time. They're always trying to create groups, create associations, create fellowships. And I am 100% for fellowshipping with people. I am 100% for. You know, associating myself with certain people to a certain extent, 
But do you all know how many associations and fellowships Liberty Baptist Church is a member of? Zero. And I am very proud of that number. And uh, it is my goal to keep it at that. Okay, Because the, here's what happens when you lose your independence. Okay, Many Bible doctrines today, they've become political. Okay? They, they literally are political. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, many preachers today, they are conforming to the styles, to the doctrines of other preachers. They don't even, they can't even defend a lot of these positions. They can't even defend what they're doing. They are just conforming. They hang around with these groups so much. You know, they're going to rub off on you. But we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's going to happen from the Scripture. Okay, Things that we start teaching or preaching, it needs to be because we got it from the Scripture. The Scripture changed our mind. The Scripture transformed us. We are convinced by the Scriptures. We're not just caught up in a political movement. And the way you can see that these things are political, you know, many people today, they shy away from certain positions doctrinally because they don't want to be grouped with people that they don't like. Okay? Now, for example, in, in politics again, because unfortunately, you know, politics, it seems like a terrible thing to compare stuff in church to, but there's a lot of stuff in church that goes on that's just like in politics. And have you ever wondered why, like, something to me that's just so blatantly obvious that it's wrong is abortion, okay? I mean, killing a baby in a womb. Alright? Now, that seems so obvious. Now, why is it that in the high up, I'm sure lower down there's somewhere, but how come in the high up positions you can't find one Democrat that's against abortion? You know, why isn't there one somewhere that's against it? You know why? Because you're not going to make it in that party You know, having that position. There are certain things that you've got to be strong on and that's one of them. There's got to be one in there that feels that way. There's got to be one that thinks that way. And also in churches, okay, for example, when it comes to the inspiration of the Bible, okay, why is it that fundamental Baptists seem to be one of the only ones that want to stand strong? Certainly there's some Pentecostal people that have read the verses about the you know God preserving his word. Certainly there's people from other religions and, and some you know non-denominational people. But you know what you don't want to know why you, it's hard to find a King James only church that isn't Baptist? And this it's the same reason it's hard to find a Democrat that's for abortion. And it's because it's political. And Republic Democrats hate Republicans and Democrats don't want to associate themselves by a, you know with a position with the people that they hate. And you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to admit something to you. Sometimes Baptist, okay? We can be a little ugly sometimes about what we believe. You know, just because you're right doesn't give you the right to be ugly, okay? And some and you know, when it comes to the inspiration of the Bible, we're right on this, okay? But you know, sometimes we you know, we can get ugly. And so you got somebody there, you know, they're they're around, you know, they're not a Baptist, and 
You know, man, if you don't believe the King James Bible is the Word of God, you're just an idiot. You're just stupid. You know, and they hear that, and that just makes them mad. Ah, man, them Baptists, man, them and their King James Bible. You know, and here's the thing: a lot of people that aren't King James, you know, they they believe in the Scriptures. They, you know, they love the Word of God. Maybe they they just don't understand some things. They haven't been taught a lot of stuff. They're not bad people. Okay, they love the Bible probably as much, maybe even more than some of us. Okay, but technically they're wrong. And we get so ugly about it sometimes that they just they don't want to associate themselves with us. And so they refuse to hold that position because that just sounds too much like a Baptist. Okay, even the eternal security thing. Okay? You would think some of these other religions would figure out eternal security. It's so obvious in the Bible. But why is it that it's hard to find eternal security people outside of the Baptist church? And it's because it gets associated with Baptists. Too much, and they don't like us, and it's it's become a political thing. And when you and if when you are a part of you know organizations, denominations, whatever, there are certain things that those groups you know they you know we all have our things. This morning I talked about how I don't like associating with Calvinists. Okay, I just don't like them. Right? You know, that, you know that that's me personally. And if I started an association and a fellowship, they wouldn't be allowed to join. Okay, but it would be wrong for another preacher out there to change his position if if that's what he believes the Bible teaches. It would be wrong for him to change his position because he just wants to be a part of my organization. He wants to be a part of my association, and that's what happens. People cave all the time on some of some doctrinal things. Big things, sometimes small things, because they want to be accepted by the different groups. And that, what ends up happening, those groups start introducing changes sometimes slowly, and they go along with those things and eventually find themselves far away from the Word of God. They find themselves changing with the time. They find themselves changing with the with the religion, with the denomination. You know, you know how many denominations are out there that you know a hundred years ago. They weren't that different than us, but now they're nowhere near us. You know why? But why is it you can't find one now that's close to us? You know what? Because they did. They've joined up with these bigger organizations. It's become political, and you you, you can't find it anyone in those groups doing the right thing. And that's why we need to remain independent as a church. We are an independent Baptist church because. We are going to lose doctrinal purity somewhere if we join an association like that. You know, you know that this this subject it's not a big deal. You know, let's just you know let's go along because I don't want to get kicked out of the association. You know, and here's the thing too, and just so you all know, associations only benefit the pastor of the church, not the members of the church. And the only reason they benefit the pastor. It's a way he can become a big shot, you know, be a member of something, move up the ranks. It doesn't help the people in the church at all. And so, if I ever do lose my mind and want to join some of these things, y'all remind me of this, okay? You know, because because it's not going to do you a bit of good. It would do me some good. It can help me be a little more popular and uh, you know, and and be a big shot. But that's the last thing y'all need around here is a big shot. But um, so. Don't do that, you know. So if you don't, if you don't fall in line with certain doctrines, instead of people correcting you with scriptures, you know what they do? They attach labels to you. 
And that's what happens. It's like, you know, if you, you know, because we do call ourselves an independent fundamental Baptist, and I believe we are, you know, an independent fundamental Baptist. I think that represents who we are. But yet, there's independent fundamental Baptist associations out there, there's independent fundamental Baptist fellowships out there. And if you're going to join those, you have to line up on all of these things. And there's groups out there, you know, they're, they're all, they all have areas where they're different, where they're not exactly the same. And they're usually represented by an individual, okay? And, and, you know, I'm not even going to bring up a lot of the names. You probably don't know them and you're better off not knowing them. But yet, if you believe certain things or don't believe certain things or believe it a certain way, preachers love to call you a name. You know, they will call you the name of some preacher or, you know, they'll, they'll call you the name of some movement. You know, if, if you're, uh, you know, there, there's the Baptist briders out there that think the, you know, the, people that are members of a Baptist church that can trace their lineage back to John the Baptist are the only people that are going to be in the New Jerusalem that are going to take place in the marriage supper. They're the only ones that are going to be a part of the bride. Those are known as Baptist briders. And anyone that preaches anything along those lines, even close, you know, if they preach you have to be a Baptist, uh, you know, we call it, we do. We automatically attach Baptist Brider to them. It's just, it's a thing people do, and nobody wants to get those names. If you believe that as the church we are God's chosen people, replacement theology, you know, and that bad stamp that they put on you, that just to scare you. And you know, we've got to realize we are independent as a church, and when we if we have that mindset, who cares what? Other people, what kind of label they attach on us? You know, who cares what they say? Because what can they do? You know, there are certain denominations. If the pastor in that church, if they're part of one of these bigger denominations, if the pastor discovers some truth in the Word of God, if the Word of God starts to change him and he starts to preach that in his church, guess what's going to happen? Archbishop so and so, he's going to show up, and they are going to remove him from being pastor. And how can you keep doctrinal purity when you're a part of a denomination association? And that's why we believe in being independent. But then lastly, if we're going to be the kind of church that God wants us to be, if we're going to allow the Bible to change us, that be the thing to change us, and not everything else, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that's something people don't like talking about today. They're not really interested in this, but it's all over the Bible about being filled with the Spirit. And... I'm not gonna. I don't have time to go into all the verses, but in Ephesians chapter four, verse uh, Ephesians chapter four. Uh, well, let's go uh, chapter five. We'll look at Ephesians chapter five, in verse eighteen. It says, "And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord." And I, I wish I had time to go into all the scriptures, but listen, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay? In other words, we're filled with the Spirit of God. Okay? It's His Spirit that's influencing us. It's His Spirit that's controlling us. And you know what most people today, there are many preachers today, they are filled with the Spirit of other preachers. They're letting other preachers change them. They, I mean, literally everything. You know, and there's uh, you know, an example. I don't know if any of you ever heard of Ron Garris. Okay? Right, Ron Garris, Harshman's know know who he is. He was with the Rock of Ages Prison Ministry, a great preacher. But man, when he preached, if you read a transcript of his message, you would think this is the meanest preacher in the world that just hates people. 
he would like he would say like if you don't you know he'd say something like you know if you don't like what I'm preaching after church you meet me out in the car and you, or out in the parking lot you stand behind my car you know basically implying he's going to run over you you know he'd say stuff like you know, look me in my God given eyeball and, but at the same time when he preached and he said all those things it was you never thought for a second this guy hates me he he was a loving caring individual that's, you know that's just kind of his way. And I don't think anybody ever got offended by it. So if you read it, you know, not seeing it, not hearing him say it, not knowing him, you would probably think the wrong thing. But you know, that was him. That was his unique style. Now, if I listen to him preach enough, okay, it'd be possible I could get filled with the spirit of Ron Garris, and I could be up here preaching. He's like, "You look at me and my God-given eyeball. You don't like when I'm preaching. You just meet me out in the parking lot and stand behind my car before I leave. I'll, we'll take care of things." That, you know, now. That probably wouldn't go over well if I was doing that to you. You know why? Because while he could do that under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it would be me doing it under the influence of Ron Garris, the spirit of Ron Garris. And as good of a guy as he was, that's not the spirit that's supposed to change me, the spirit that's supposed to control me. And yet, most preachers today, everything they do, I mean, every little thing that's going on in churches today, from the way they decorate their church to the terminology they use, it's based off just some of the big names. They have these big conferences. They basically give everybody their marching orders. And these guys, especially the young trendies as I like to call them, they go along with every little thing that they do. And it's not they're changing their churches not based off the Word of God, not based off the influence of the Holy Spirit, but based off the spirit of another man of another individual. And we've got to be careful with that. There's a lot of preachers I like to listen to that I enjoy very much. I love, I love Brother Keith Gomez from Elgin. Okay, But you know what? I'm not going to get away with preaching. You know, if, if somebody gets up and walks out, go ahead, I can hit a moving target. You know, I, I, I can't get away with that. And, and you know, if I, if I got filled with the spirit of Keith Gomez, I might do some of that stuff. And you know, he can get away with it. That's him. But me, I'm me. I'm not going to be successful, you know, being filled with the spirit of another preacher. I've got to be filled with the spirit of God. Okay? And so not saying, said he can do that under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I can't because you know, we're 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 two different people, but yet churches today are changing like crazy based off of just a few different preachers that are out there. They're getting guys to change Everything, and you know what? I am not going to change anything just because of some other preacher. I want the Bible to change me. I want I want it to be. I want the Word of God. I want the influence of the Holy Spirit. We've got so many imitators of man, and we need more imitators of God. First John chapter three verse two. I'm going to I'm going to close with this. I got more. I want to cover, but it says, "Beloved, now are we the sons of God." And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. Okay? We are trying to be like Christ. There's nothing wrong with you learning from other Christians. There's nothing wrong with me learning from other preachers. But I'm not trying to be like another preacher. I'm trying to be like Christ. And if something's going to change me, if something is going to change 
my methods of doing things, if something is going to change my doctrine, if something is going to change my way of life, the way I dress, the way I do my hair, okay, it needs to be because of the Word of God. It needs to be because of the influence of the Holy Ghost, not because I've got a new idol somewhere. Not because I've found a new man that I want to you know, pattern everything after. And listen, there is no doubt in my mind that Liberty Baptist Church were far from perfect. There's no doubt in my mind we need to change some things. But one thing I do believe, I believe that we are a work in progress. I believe that we are growing. I believe we're getting better. I believe we're moving forward. And as the coming of Christ gets closer and closer, and as the spirit of Antichrist goes stronger and stronger, we need to be more careful than ever with who or what we allow to change us. And the only one that we ought to allow to change us is the Holy Ghost of God and the Word of God. Let this be the influence. I went to a church one time, and I won't say that... I saw this guy, he got up and preached, and that man was filled with the spirit of another preacher that I know of. I won't say the name of that other preacher, but I was just like, wow! I mean, you swore the guy was up there doing a stand-up imitation of this other preacher. It was just, it was crazy. And then, you know, after church went out in the foyer, and I saw all these flyers for different camp meetings and stuff that he was advertising his church and guess who was the featured speaker at these the fellow who he was filled with the spirit of i mean it was so blatantly obvious and he said no you know you're gonna people are gonna rub off on you a little bit and you're gonna pick up some things and there's nothing wrong with that but that's what it means to be filled with the spirit of god he is the one that's influencing us he's the one that's controlling us and we got to be careful watch the spirit of man because there's no, there's no telling where the spirit of man will take you. You know, you pick your favorite preacher in the world. Okay, if I pick my favorite preacher in the world, he might be somewhere completely different ten years from now. But Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. If I'm going off of his spirit, any change that does take place in my life, it will be positive change. It will be the right kind of change, and that's what I want. For myself, that's what I want for this church, and I hope you want that for yourself too. So with that, let's all stand together. Let the word 